Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you This is the final word, Ashes Daily Day 5, the Seabus Super, the superannuation fund, hitting your retirement for six. I'm Adam Collins. I've got Jeff Lemon by my side. It's raining very heavily at Lords in front of us here as we look towards the pavilion. It's dark, it's yucky, it's murky. It was that way when stumps were pulled and a draw was signalled, but that doesn't tell the full story. We actually got a fantastic end to today, which may have ended very differently had it not ended when it did. Had it gone half an hour longer, Australia might have been in serious strife. Jeff, tell us all about it in the space of 30 seconds. In the space of 30 seconds. All right, well... England could have lost the match when they came out this morning. They were 104 in front. If they'd been bowled out, they would have been in real trouble. Uh, Joss Butler and Ben Stokes dug in. Butler got out before lunch, but Stokes went on to make 100. Bairstow made some runs with him. They set Australia 267 and declared 48 overs. Could they get through it? Archer started taking wickets. Warner, Kowaja, they started going down. Marnus came in. The new Steve Smith. He made 59 and guided Australia almost to safety. And despite some wickets near the end, they made it home six wickets down. There's a lot to pull out of it, isn't there? Marnus, you say the new Stephen Smith. You could arguably say the new Stephen War. Not wanting to overstretch uh, the, well, both that. Both at once. Well, yeah, I mean, I saw Steve Waugh on the balcony with him after he got out, made 59. And I was 57 just, test hundreds. I was just thinking to myself, watching uh, Labuschagne talking to Stephen Waugh, that, you know, obviously early in his career, it might be his sixth or seventh test match that he's played in here today in weird circumstances. The first ever man who's um, came in as a concussion sub. 
He came in, he came in, in to Cancun. <laughs> he was on spring break. <laughs> and he decided it was well and truly party time. Dude. Yes. Yes, it was a boy's gone wild. Uh, and it wasn't quite that, that kind of innings from him in that he had to get through a ridiculous cross-examination from Joffre Archer, either side of the tee break, especially before tee. Second ball smashed in the grill of the helmet, immediately hit the deck. We'll come back to that in a sec. But then he was playing and missing, got through, stuck behind the ball, got to the other side of T, made a half century, got out in sort of odd circumstances via a deflection. But let's start with him because if not for Marnus Labuschagne, Australia are probably one all going to Leeds. Yeah, I, you could fairly safely say that. I mean, who knows what the counterfactual is and what, mm. what Matthew Wade would have done and so on. But uh, the way that he played, look, I, I wrote about it today because imagine being told, um, he, here is the second best batsman in history after Bradman. You know, he's made, he, he almost made his 26th ton in, what, 98 innings, Steve Smith. Bradman was 29 in 80. So mm. he's like actually not even that far off in terms of the sequence he's had in the last few years. And then you're told, oh, G'day, Manus. You're now Steve Smith. You're now the best player in the world for the rest of this game. The like-for-like like replacement, the like to use like the specific uh, nomenclature. And you are going to be facing <laughs> the guy who beat the living snot out of him um, and, mm. and forced him to retire hurt and concussed him and is the reason that he can't play. So he's going to be bowling to you and you're Steve. Good luck. We're role-playing, method acting. And, and he was a like-for-like like replacement at first in that he got smashed in the face first thing and, you know, you're like, wow, it's, 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 the resemblance is uncanny. Um, but luckily it got... Got the grill, it could have so easily got under the grill and, and you know, it could have been really ugly. Um, so he had a bit of fortune there and it was at that sort of angle where it, it didn't it didn't rattle his head around too much. So he popped back up very quickly and was like, no, nah, no, nah, all good. Um, and on he batted. And it was a fierce spell. Like, but, but he handled those bounces after that beautifully. Like he learned so quickly yes. how to start swaying back out of the way because he realised he couldn't trust the length because basically Archer gets lift from a fuller length than you would expect. So he's he was then playing them on the line of the ball rather than the length um, and evading them. And it was it was brave and it was impressive. You've just reminded me I have to add a line to my story. I forgot about that one. He got it the way off. That's probably the best uh, shot he played the whole time he was there. It was the bouncer he watched all the way into Bairstow's gloves swaying backward. Mm. It was equally as penetrative as the one that sconed him earlier. Um, yes, the, the like-for-like like thing, the way I came into my piece was thinking that when he woke up this morning, he would have known there was some chance that Stephen Smith wouldn't have come up. There's some chance he would have been used as the concussion sub, but he was also privy to everything that had happened the day before. You can imagine the the chaos in that dressing room when, when Smith came back in with the concussion test and who knows what state he was in after that innings. He obviously didn't field in the afternoon. Labuschagne mm. did instead, but all the same. It was such a dramatic afternoon and he was witnessing it all from close quarters and now, you, as you say, you're like, right, well, you're going to be the like for like. You're going to go out there and replace Stephen Smith and he gets hit second ball and then, as I say, plays and misses a couple of times. The first four legal deliveries that Labuschagne faced from Archer, three plays and misses and smacked on the side of the head. It hits the deck and, I mean, hit the bottom of the grill on that angle, like you say, but when I was watching it back, I watched it back quite a few times to make sure I could see it properly, it would have been a broken jaw. His jaw would have been broken into smithereens had he been mm. wearing one of the old-fashioned helmets without the without the grill. It was Steve Smithereens. Steve Smithereens. Jeff Lawsonereens. It would have been. Mm. It would have been um, like 1988 over at the Wacker. It would have been nasty. So um, lucky for Labuschagne that he had that protection there. Uh, but the the way in which he managed to compose himself which was the most impressive thing. And that started from the moment that he hit the deck. So if you watch the way that he falls with the bat in his left hand, he mm. hits the pitch, 
bounces straight back up and starts immediately adjusting and like knocking the handle with his right hand as if to say, no, 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 nothing to see here. Good as gold, ready yeah. to roll again, ready right. to face the next delivery. Yeah, of course, it's not that straightforward. The medicos came out and did what they needed to do, and, and, and he, I assume yeah. passed some sort of provisional test at that stage, and they, they you know, gave him a new lid and went through the, the sort yeah. of the usual etiquette when you hit on the helmet as you get a new one. But the way he went and used the pace of Archer and steered him behind point, the way that he drove him through the offside from an overpitched delivery, it, I was watching it from side on uh, in the grandstand, right side onto the pitch, and you get a real appreciation for just how rugged the whole situation was. And the only other thing I'd add uh, about what he was walking into, Archer wasn't bowling, I mean, all the caveats in the world there, he wasn't bowling that fast compared to the way he had bowled yesterday. So his deliveries to pick up Kawaja and Warner and the interrogation before he picked them up picked them up was was roughly sort of in the in the vicinity of eighty four to eighty seven miles an hour. So in other words, roughly the same pace that Peter Siddle was bowling this morning to put it mm-hmm. into sort of some perspective. Archer picked up Warner and Kawaja as a combination of pace and just outstanding new ball bowling. Deviating the ball off the track in the air, in the channel, giving them absolutely nothing. So Archer, again, we talked yesterday about his his pace and his aggression and his mm. professionalism. What he showed us today is the other side of the coin. He's such a classy bowler with such a deep set of skills at such a young age. That's what makes him, dare I say it, the complete package. Well, yeah, it's being able to do different jobs um, depending on what the time is, you know, like, like what... What is called upon at this moment, and so you know, he decided it was more the short attack with Manus, and it very nearly worked. You know, there were there were that many false strokes and and uh, and ones that got past him. But as you say, there was the one over pitched one, and Manus comes forward and drives it down the ground. So that says to me, you know, he's not intimidated by it. He's saying, when the opportunity's there, I'm going to take it. There were a couple. There was one as Archer started to tire, where he he sort of drove it from just back of a length through the yep. covers, and so there were those couple of shots to say, well, I'm not just I'm not pure trying to survive here I'm still thinking of myself as a batsman who's trying to score so he loses Cameron Bancroft just after the tea break it's a Jack Leach one that sort of skids through and keeps low and Bancroft's gone and you know we didn't really mention the Warner and Kawaja dismissals in depth needless to say outside edge edge, rather there'll be scrutiny probably more on Warner than Kawaja Kawaja got three really high quality deliveries in a Mm -hmm. row and and nicked the third one Warner you know pushing with hard hands caught a third slip you know that happens early in innings but all those scores in a row can I do a little rewind clock because we, we didn't really well we didn't at all discuss the morning um and there's a a very interesting parallel here which is that um third over of the day this morning um will come and set to finish half an over that he hadn't finished last Mm. night then there's an over from hazelwood with no line um and then cummins bowls the the next over in that over australia have two slips and a deep point for ben stokes he gets a thick edge through third slip catchable height goes to the boundary for four Warner has a third slip, edges it, third slip, caught, gone. And that seemed like a really strong difference to me because Mm. as soon as I saw the field, I thought, what have you got, you know, early in the day? Why do you have a deep point for Stokes? I know he's an aggressive player and you want to cut off a boundary to frustrate him, but, like, back yourself to get the edge. Pat Collins is bowling. So that was catchable. And Stokes was on nothing much at that point. What, 15 or so was he overnight? Yeah, 13, I think he was. Yeah. Yeah. And and he goes on to make 100 and and set them a target. So if they'd had that, I thought that was a massive miss from Australia to not have the cordon properly stacked. And then, because there wasn't that much in this pitch, and that's why England weren't able to surge to victory in that last bit. And that's why Australia weren't able to bowl them out in the morning session, because it was basically a third-day pitch. They haven't had that much wear 
wear on it. It hasn't had any sun. You know, it's barely been exposed to the elements. And so they had to really work to get those wickets um, and, and couldn't do it. They, all they could do was get Butler. And basically it was Butler and Stokes grinding away for 90 minutes or so and then um, Stokes and Bairstow opening the shoulders once they decided to get going. But Lyon was unlucky. He got none for, but he got the outside edge from Stokes about six or eight times and none of them went to hand. And then, then once Stokes is on 80 or so, he starts popping Lyon into the stands and hitting sixes. Yeah, another drop catch off Lyon's bowling this morning as well. I mean, yeah, it felt like we were meandering towards sort of a, a nothing kind of day, didn't we? There were 75 runs added in that first session, a shortened session due to the, the wet weather this morning. But... Um, it's as though, and I think a lot of us observe the same thing, we needed England to lose wickets because we didn't think they were going to set Australia a target. We didn't think they could make enough runs to bat Australia out of the game, which meant that, as a consequence, any declaration would give Australia a chaseable target, which could mean 2-0 Australia. Yeah. So, But then Ben Stokes made 73 runs in eight overs alongside Johnny Bairstow, makes his 100 um, off Nathan Lyon. But, you know, I liked when he was on 99. He tried to play a reverse sweep, by the way. But anyway, the, the atmospherics, much in the same way that Archer changed the way the game felt 24 hours earlier, now Stokes was doing it. So he really put the foot down, like you say, with, with Bairstow especially. And what Stokes was able to do is is put the game out of reach of, from Australia, which meant that England could set hyper-aggressive fields to Archer to begin. They could have mm. the third slip, the leg slip, the leg gully at one stage, the men under the helmet and so forth. So, you know, yeah, I agree that Australia should have been more aggressive earlier on. But I think Australia were just thinking, well, look, if this game plays out to lunch and then if we can't bowl them out well as long as they don't make too many runs it'll be a draw and we'll mm. shake hands at five o'clock and you know case sera sera so there, there are a few different bits and pieces going on but ben stokes took responsibility in that it wasn't quite a pressure situation but he but he made it the, was if he got out well it, well, mean, it may have been out, yeah australia were probably early. but they were probably at that stage uh, far enough ahead that they would have been able to have closed the game down with enough wickets in hand that it wouldn't have been that problematic. The point I guess I'm making is that he made a decision to take a, a risk to give them a chance to do some damage after tea and yeah. but, well, what turned out to be before tea because they scored so heavily. As I say, 73 runs in, in eight overs at one point there. Some huge overs. I think they hit four sixes in the space of about 10 minutes at one point in time yeah. there. So, look, well played Ben Stokes for not only making a ton on a day that wasn't his best, especially the day before when he had to fight through that last hour and came back today, battled again at the start and opened up the shoulders. But for, for choosing after lunch to take the mm. you know measured risk and giving England what nearly turned out to be enough time, 48 overs, to take 10 Australian wickets. Mm. I'll tell you what, had it been half an hour longer, I reckon this is a, this is a different result. Had they not lost an hour to rain this morning? Well, because, they, exactly that, yeah. Because we got rained off and, and started at 10 past 12, I think, so 70 mm. minutes late. Mm. Um, play was extended a bit to make up for it, but they had to call it off at seven twenty-three. So I think if if you think that if you weren't watching and think that we're banging on about Archer too much, I, th I think what the reason we're doing it is because that pitch was pretty placid. And the so, second slowest at this ground since two thousand and five. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, so I mean, you know, it, it wasn't a road; it just wasn't quick. And so you yeah. saw, you know, I thought Cummins bowled really well this morning, but. Hazelwood and Siddle both looked really flat to me. I don't know if they were tired or or if, you know, like Hazelwood short of a gallop maybe. Um, but this test hasn't been that arduous, so you wouldn't think so. But both of them looked not <laughs> just not really on this morning. And they were where where, where was Peter Siddle? And, Peter Siddle came on at, this, at, at the one-hour mark this morning and immediately looked like getting Ben Stokes out. Like, uh, look, 
decisions. There's no easy decision as a test captain, but I would have thought the guy who looked most impressive last night would have got an opportunity in the first hour today to transfer some of the pressure back towards Ben Stokes, but instead he had to wait. He got three overs then, and by the time he got brought back into the attack, you know, in that party time period, it was a moot point. Like the, the game had moved on, but at the stage they needed to take the wickets. They were on the way to Cancun. No, they're on the they're on the way to spring break. Um, you know, when when it was actually on, I thought that Siddle would have been a good option because yeah, you're right. I don't think that. The bigger quicks looked as dangerous today as they did yesterday, and that's kind of mm. partly the nature of a five-day test match. You know, you get to the end and your quicks tend to be uh, kind of buggered a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and then and Archer comes out and goes, no, nah, I can still do 153. It's all good. But but not as often, though. Like I just, you know, Yeah, so that, that's kind of the interesting part of this is that Archer wasn't as quick today, but he was almost as effective with three wickets. And yeah. Archer did it. I just mentioned that, that Crickfizz's rating had this as the second slowest Lord's pitch uh, since they kept records, 2005. Mm. And next week, we're moving to Leeds, which is the f- fifth fastest pitch in the world over that period of time. So, okay. I mean, Archer at Leeds, provided he gets through... what he can I'm- bounce back, though, because like, he, he might well be you know, pretty exhausted. Well, he'll need to get through this. a fitness test, you think. Archer's bowled, I don't know, it's... 30 over, 35 overs in the last two days. It's no guarantee he'll he'll pull up. You know th- that's the nature of back to back test matches. If your fast bowlers don't always come up good on day six, but provided he gets through that, that could be a lot of fun. Mm, yeah, well, provided we get on, that's the other thing because the oh. the forecast is not great for up north in the the Emerald Isles of Headingley. But uh, yeah, so look, uh, Manus Labaskakni did the job, fifty nine, and then he was out. He played a sweep shot that bounced up off short leg and was well caught by Joe Root Dove forward at midwicket they did a lot of forensic replays and concluded he had got some fingers under the ball before it bounced and then it started to get a little bit tight after that travis head made another important score i thought um 41 not out was it? Uh, eventually um uh, I, I wouldn't want travis head um batting in those sorts of situations too often uh, a few but, of those waves outside saying. the. I mean, this is what I've kept saying. But he gets runs. Like I don't know how he does it. He looks like he's going to get out all the time. Yeah, he, he gets thirty or forty. Oh, look, whenever he bats. To his absolute credit that he was there at the end. No, no doubt. Like, no. To be fair, he was there at the end. <laughs> I've been as critical as he, anyone he, else. He but. did his job, but um, yeah, a couple of those waves at balls well mm. outside the off stump. I mean, there's just no upside there. So yeah. anyway, and he was dropped at he second slip by uh, Roy. Jason Roy, and, it was and that a was a very conventional chance off Ben yeah. Stokes again. Head goes there. I mean, pain. Uh, was duped into that shot after Root wound Denley into mid-wicket and he takes a John Dyson-esque catch with the left mitt diving back. It's spectacular. I mean, yep. you can question Denley's contribution to the series so far, um, but I'll tell you what, that was one hell of a catch. He was cartwheeling. He, he actually almost did a cartwheel in order to get his hand back behind himself while falling to the ground, although I asked Tim Payne about it in the um, the BBC Stumps interview and he, he sort of said, I thought he was just going to wander over and take it with two hands he's like he, he, goes, he made a, he made it look very good right sort of right fair enough assessment that basically that he hadn't read where the ball was going first and then had to get there late had to scramble to get ah, back right um so maybe misjudged it in the i first didn't watch instance. it quite so forensically yeah. but i just love that optics of like the goalkeeper going back left hand yeah. top corner of the net pulling it down and maybe, and all maybe, the rest maybe tim page didn't want to you know give credit didn't want to necessarily be out to a worldly one but it's like stokes's one in the world cup opener at, at the oval like, yes he misjudged it which is what made it great but it doesn't mean it wasn't great. No, it that's was. true. It was spectacular. And Wade was out caught at short leg, and they were six down, and it was, you know, just a little bit squeaky. Um, but by that point, they were pretty close to the end of the allocated overs, and there didn't seem much doubt that. I mean, England had nine around the bat at the end um, with with Jack Leach bowling, but they couldn't get there. 
Thought he bowled well, Jack Leach, three for 37. He's in the series. I mean, we we said the same thing last week about Travis Head getting in the series in the first test with a, a couple of good scores, 35 and a half century. I feel like Leach is the primary spinner, needed a, a, a decent performance in the second innings because he was barely needed the first time around, and he got that here, so he'll go to Leeds with some confidence. Um, we should note before we wind it off, uh, Jeff, that Steve Smith um, has as a consequence of his um, concussion test today, has to go through a series of tests. He said on the interview he did today with um, the Cricket Australia media manager that he will need to be able to face fast bowling and pass the medical test 100% medical test before then. And there's three days off between now and the next test. Yeah, I mean, he's not playing. Well, in order to play, let's just go through it theoretically. In order to play, he would need to face like Stark, Pattinson, Hazard or whatever two days from now at training on two days out from the test. I think that's the the um, the, 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 uh, the, the decision-making pyramid that he kind of stated himself. So that feels very unlikely, which probably means that, that Bancroft and Kawaja, their spots in the side, uh, don't go under any meaningful scrutiny. And Labashane, no. you know, sits in for Stephen Smith at number four, and then they can make a decision going forward at Manchester. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Mitchell Marshall come in as the other option. Uh, well, I, I just think that they'll have to be a bit conservative because the scrutiny's on as well as to how he was allowed to come back out to bat. You know, obviously you can pass a concussion test when you've just been hit. It doesn't mean you're not concussed. And that's that, that's a big issue. I think it's not an issue with the, the medical staff per se. It's not to say that they did the wrong thing because they followed the procedure, which was give the player the test and they've passed the test. But I think the, the protocol is flawed in that so many players can have delayed onset symptoms that it's yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't work to say oh well he's passed the test now because what's to say that he doesn't have a concussion it's you know they're saying it's something like 70% of players don't well that means 30% of players do so you're saying one in three players could be sent back out there with um, a concussion you haven't diagnosed yet yeah I see that point I think it's a reasonable one all I'd respond in saying is that Cricket Australia have been world leaders um, both inside uh, mostly with the ICC actually about this concussion sub issue and, and all the advice we've got from them is that their doctors are are sort of militant on this topic so the idea that Smith would have been allowed to bat yesterday even passing the concussion test unless they were 100% satisfied that he was fine to bat I mean that's again I said it yesterday it's kind of above our pay grade like we have to to some extent accept the fact that these doctors have a role for a reason at at elite sport level in these Mm. teams and yes Smith did end up showing these signs this morning when he woke up groggy and we saw the rap sheet which was sent through by Cricket Australia about how he felt this morning when he woke up but I think we you need to balance off what you're saying with the idea that you know CA's medical staff are there for a reason, and, and by all reports, they're meant to be top class. Sure, and, and but maybe someone doesn't have a concussion, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're not affected in a way that that makes them vulnerable as a batsman. Yeah, and he was not right when he came back out to bat. The way he operated, the way he left a ball hitting his stumps, the way everything about the way he batted when he came out for the second time, he wasn't batting like he normally does. And so he, something, whether it was the concussion or whatever else, he was affected. And to my mind, that means he's vulnerable. That means is in danger because he's not he's not equipped to face super fast bowling. England could have brought Archer back and hit him in the head again, and and then where are you? So yeah, it, to, it to is. In my mind, it, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah, it is. It is tricky train. Um, I know that Labashane wasn't batting with the um, stem guards today know. as well. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm going to end up. Um, yeah, we did. I feel like I'm going to end up um, being a bit of a nag with this issue going forward because it just seems to me as though I mean, and Smith addressed it's like this today. Seatbelt, like it, yeah, it might well, be mildly annoying, but it also means you don't go through the windscreen. That, that's right. Smith addressed it today in that in that interview. I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to the audio, but he he said that he needs to consider 
that going forward. He, it's clear that he gets... I, what I liked about Smith's interview today, he wasn't punchy. He just kind of like went, yeah, okay, I get it. I understand why I was subbed out of the game. He's totally cool with the process. He's not pushing back. He's not getting angry. He, he, he sounds like he gets what happened yesterday is important and he needs to treat the next few days respectfully and needs to like allow himself the time to um, recover from what was a you know pretty full-on yeah. experience here at Lords. Uh, we, Jeff, Hall we, of we, Fame. Hall of Fame. Oh, I'm going to put Joe Denley's catch in there as a thought. That's definitely in there. I reckon the ball that Manus Labuschagne leaves, the bouncer that he leaves by just bending back like a reed in the wind and, oh, watching, yeah. it, and watching it sort of skim across the surface of his chest, um, that, was, that was just a beautiful piece of cricket, beautiful bowling, beautiful batting, beautiful not batting. Yeah, I, I think on that basis we put Labuschagne in there because, yeah, I think um, that passage, either side of T, that to me is the sort of stuff you look at when you're thinking about the way you pick sides. Forget about spreadsheets and averages and I have no idea what his first class average is and frankly I don't really care I've seen him back here today and that to me I've watched plenty of test cricket he looks like a test cricketer and I hope that people going forward can yes he bowls a bit of leg spin yes he you know got brought back into the side last year you know year. who else bowled a bit of leg spin yeah yeah exactly yes he you know looked looked like he was an unconventional selection when he got brought in for the UAE yes when he played against India and batted number three at the SCG that was subject to appropriate levels of scrutiny but yes that- he killed a man on a dark and stormy <laughs> night on a bridge in Nepal no he's proper but it was a different time no I just I, I think I think Labuschagne's proper and if, if there's one thing we can learn out of this week in addition to everything we already know about Stephen Smith and Joffre Archer I think it's that uh, Labuschagne does belong at test level and I think he's going to have a a serious career. Uh, before we wrap this bad boy up, Jeff, a word from our partner Seabus Super. Seabus are proud to offer members insurance options that can be tailored to meet the needs of people working in the building, construction and allied industries. To learn more, seabussuper.com.au. Jump on, grab a PDS and of course remember that past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. Thanks to cbussuper.com.au. They can give you a Mark Tailored package. How good? How good is that? Uh, we're wrapping up at Lords. It's a oh, it's a, a nice evening now that the rain has stopped. There's a beautiful late gentle sunset in sort of Monet pastels, um, just just <laughs> drifting away over the grandstand, and we'll be off to Leeds any minute now, Adam. This has been the final word. It's been at Lords. Always a special test match. The Lords at your test match. It's great to be uh, with you, Jeff. With you, everyone listening on the podcast each day. We'll be back at Leeds. Up to Headingley, another famous Ashes venue for the match that starts on Thursday between Australia and England. The visitors are up 1-0, but this series is well and truly alive. Until then, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.